All right, so guys, uh, what is the internal temperature of a tauntaun? I don't know. I bet you'll tell I don't us, know. Lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Uh, All that blubber. It's Ugh. funny because it's true. And I, and I, I bet uh, you thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> you know, that scene is the only part of the original trilogy where someone who is not a force wielder uses a lightsaber. Yeah. The original trilogy, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And he uh he you know, he thought it was just like an Oni uh or like a uh old phony yeah. ancient uh piece of weaponry, right? Yeah. Hokey tricks <laughs> and ancient religions. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it funny like if you kind of think back to episode four when Han's talking to, to Obi Wan and how Hans is like, nah, I'll stick to my blasters. And Obi-Wan uses a blaster in episode three and he's like, this is so uncivilized. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's great. It's a purposeful guys, callback. Yeah. There's, there's some, some really interesting, um, I think, parallels between Han and a certain Marshall in the new episode, too. Oh, we might get into that tonight. Yeah, I don't know. It do might guys, be worth talking about. You guys, you guys want to talk about Mandalorian tonight? I think we should. Do we, we should have too. to? I mean, we do actually. We do. Well, it goes without saying. Well, welcome back to the Real Heroes podcast. Uh, we're, we jumped welcome the gun and started back. getting into our, our conversation already without even saying hello. Because that's how fucking excited we are about the so show coming back. Extremely excited. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we're, we're late because the show came out on Friday and we're recording this on Wednesday uh, because you're here for quality, not for speed of upload. (laughs) So um, guys, listen, man, I gotta, I gotta defend myself though. You know, that episode got uploaded while I was at the beach on a trip where I got engaged and I stopped what I was doing and uploaded the episode so that we would be there before the new episode came out. That is true. You, You did a pretty solid job on that. This and, is the way. And she still said yes, which is yes, a good she sign. Did. So, she did. She did. We got engaged yes on, on Friday times. night. And then the moment I got home on Monday, or on the Saturday, I watched the episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. I know. So, we were like waiting for you to give us your feedback. <laughs> we were just like, when is Kevin going to get back? We need to know his <laughs> thoughts. We've talked about it ad nauseum for the past 48 hours. Where the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Because we'd seen it probably what like two or three times each. Yeah, I, I I'm watched. Sure it. You loved my reactions when I got home too. Oh yeah, it was yeah. great. It was like word vomit <laughs> of how happy you were. <laughs> that was amazing. I great. felt like a little kid again. So, uh, so yeah, so season two of The Mandalorian is upon us. Uh, we started with uh, what they refer to as chapter nine. So we're not going with season two episode one it looks like they're purposefully going with this as kind of the continuation of the same story which is which is pretty cool yeah Um, i like it it is entitled the marshal which we'll get to in a few minutes i'm sure um and as the credits will let you know it was uh directed by written by created by and executive produced by john favreau so um this this episode is the uh the john favreau show uh clocked in it a solid 54 minutes, which was the longest episode of the, the Mandalorian yet. And guys, I'm just going to say it. This episode fucking sucked. <laughs> um, 
It yeah, sucked I, that it, it sucked that it was only fifty four minutes long. Yeah, I lie. I actually I fell asleep uh, every single time I watched it. Yeah, they just by the time I got to the Gamorians, they lost me. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny because <clears throat> looking back on you you know maybe the the week or two leading up to the premiere coming out, um, whenever I would watch the trailer. I would get so excited by the Gamorreans in that whole scene and think, oh my God, look at this web throwback. And then after I watched it, it was like, eh, Gamorreans were great, but the rest of this fucking episode just, yeah. I, it, it makes you kind of completely forget about that first scene. You know, it's, it's such an amazing episode. Yeah, yeah the, it's a the nice Gamorreans ramp were up. Cool. They were cool. Yeah, they absolutely I, were. I love, though, that like a lot of what you saw in the trailer happened in the first five minutes of this episode. Yeah, because um, yeah, remember I was saying I, I think the first episode might start off that way because it kind of just seems like he needs to get some information might as well go to a fight club or some sort of battle boxing ring type uh, you know type you know city town hut whatever you want to call it but um, yeah I, I like the first little intro before we get the title sequence right like it uh, it was dark it was really oh, yeah. cool. It was really cool to see the child's take, like his reaction to like being observant to the things around him, like these little cr- these little critters, like all the graffiti, and you could see like some little Easter eggs in the graffiti as well. Like you saw, um, I guess three PO stormtroopers. There was also um, there's a bunch of Horabesh on there that I didn't care to translate, but I'm sure it translates yeah, to something fun I, I i didn't bother to do that um but there's also i can't think of um uh, uh greedo's um uh species uh i, I cannot think of Brody yeah 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 there's right right above the door um oh, that's cool you see that and I, I there might be one or two other things but it, it was just really cool uh to see that and like did they say what planet they were on during they that did scene? not no, I was wondering if it was Corellia. somewhere in the outer rim, because um, like you could see all like the little like like flags that were yeah. above the above like the ring. I mean, I, I was like, oh, cool, we actually get to see like you know vibro axes being used for once yeah. from you know the Gamorians and not just mm-hmm. like holding them and you know being put to sleep by Luke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Uh, I didn't know. So the guy he, he meets, right? Um, do you know who voiced him? <laughs> it's John Leguizamo. Yeah, it's great. And I'm like, I I'm thought like, it was Favreau from the trailers. So did I. I did not. I did not pick up on that. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was Favreau as well. I'm like, man, it's like so this is another character that John Favreau decided to voice. You know, because he directed the episode. But I'm like, I don't know. And then I looked it up, and it's like John Leguizamo, and I'm like, what? Yep. You don't get enough John Leguizamo these days. No, you don't, sadly. Where um, are you, John? Come back to us, man. I mean, I it's know. crazy. We're we're at the point where between John Leguizamo and Nick Nolte playing <laughs> small, portly little alien creatures, yep. some of them that only have one eye. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cyclops. It's, it's great, but we got some some good action in there. The like you said, Nick, the Gamorrean fighting was cool. Uh, Leguizamo's character taking out his 
his horse in the race that he was betting on when he was losing was yep. uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Mando fighting was badass, using his helmet yep. for like defense and shit, where the the Zabrak like punched him on the helmet and it actually hurt the, the Zabrak instead of Mando. Um, vibroblade stab yep, throw vibro combo, blade. whistling birds. There there was a lot uh, that happened in a very short period of time there. Uh-huh. Um, which is interesting. Uh, also, the the child is around a lot of death. He is, and he seems he knows he's, he's getting a little comfortable with it. I think, which is yeah. I, I don't know how if that bodes well for him as an adolescent. Like, <laughs> is, is he going to be the kind of the, a kid that grows up and tortures cats, or you know, is well, he? Like, just, like you know, when they're when the two Gamorians were fighting, he kind of seemed like interested. Like, like he leaned forward a little bit, right? Like, he yeah, was, like he was like, "What's going on here?" Yeah. Um, but there was also a couple times he looked over at <coughs> at um, you know, old dad, and was like, "Is this okay? Like, do I do I do I need to like you know use my little hands and and uh, use the force <laughs> here? Like, are you yeah. in? It's almost like, are you in danger? Because if not." I'll chill him a little floating crib here. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was like, he knew what time it was when like, there's, you know, five guns pointed at him. And he's like, let me hit the switch. Let me chill. <laughs> Just yeah, reaches he, his little, little hand out there and pops yep. the, the dad's going to do his thing. Like he knew he what time it was. He sees the whistling birds light up and he's like, yep, yeah, yep. Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Good night. Um, we also start out uh, the second season in a similar way as the first season. Uh, with Mando killing someone. So uh, in the first yeah. season, in the bar fight, he he strings a guy up and he gets cut in half by a door that's closing. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning of season two, Mando strings a guy up and then leaves him to some space dogs. So, yeah. But I liked how he said, you, I, I promise you will not die by my hand. That's right. And he, did. he was good on his promise. <laughs> yep. But before uh, Mando leaves him and... and you know, kind of lets him out to dry. Uh, Gore Koresh lets Mando know that uh, he is aware of a Mandalorian and that Mandalorian is on the planet of Tatooine. Ooh. So we visited Twin Tatooine sons. in season one. Um, obviously Tatooine being a staple of the Star Wars universe. We saw it in episode one, episode two, uh, episode three, in between there in Rebels. Episode, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's a, you know, episode nine. <laughs> for some stupid reason uh, why did she bury yeah. the sabers there anyway um so we're going back to tattooing and uh we got some callbacks uh from season one he lands in the same uh hangar bay that he did uh amy sedaris's character is there the pit droids are there it's it's a nice little reunion it's a a fun scene kind of set the tone for you know i where we're yeah going. On the way in, though, when when you see him approaching Tatooine and when he's kind of flying over the desert there, that theme music is just absolutely gorgeous. It's it so, is. It's so big and fanfare and, like, it, it is a little bit reminiscent of John Williams, I think, because it kind of reminded me of um, the helicopter flying up to Jurassic Park for the first time. It's just... Yeah, very brass-heavy. Yeah, big, yep. big uh, brassy, you know, fanfare, but it was just gorgeous. Yeah, and it, <laughs> flying over Moss Eisley never seems to get old for some reason. Nope. <laughs> it's always uh, it so great. refreshing. At yep. what point, by the way, um, and maybe this is later on, but at what point does the aspect ratio change? That's way late in the episode. Yeah. Okay, because both times that I've watched it, I only saw it change back. 
I never noticed it when it changed. <laughs> that so means they did like, their Wait. job. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll don't no, don't worry. We'll we'll talk about that because that <laughs> shit was unbelievable. Um, so to get that whole to, scene though, there with uh, with Amy Sedaris, I just I absolutely loved it. With yeah. all of the, there's a bunch of different callbacks there too, right? R five D four. R five. He lives. Rolling out of nowhere. Like VR five. VR five. Oh, it's the R5. Uh, 40 it's, years or so afterward. Or no, not 40 years. Uh, um, but five. I guess it's just a few years after. Uh, yeah, well, his motivator's not bad anymore, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly working because he's able to project a map of, of Tatooine for and, uh, Mando and Pelimoto. And we know it's great. And it's like the, you know, the small audio things that they, it sounds just the same like yep. it did it in new hope and i'm like oh yeah absolutely little, little tiny details that they just still continue to add in there and not change and yeah. it's just like to me it makes all the difference because it's like they haven't strayed away from anything that right. makes it what it was yeah and her dialogue too is is fantastic because it's she so just keeps yeah. dropping all these little things i mean she says thank the force yeah thank the point. force little like womp we don't rat little womp rat is so great you know like, we we don't necessarily know what Jedi are anymore in this world, but we still know what the force is. Apparently. Right. Um, so anyway, just that, that entire scene is just fantastic. Also, yeah. interestingly, she says if he ever splits or doubles, <laughs> yeah. What, what, yeah. What are you getting at there? Are those, are, those, are those hints that we just don't know about? Yet? Can we see like an army exactly. of baby Yodas someday or what? What's what's going on here? And she's are they like, like, I'll pay for him, just kidding, not really. <laughs> are they like gremlins? Yeah. You know? Oh my god. <laughs> Can you not feed them after midnight? They look kind of yeah. like them. I don't know. If, if baby Yoda told me he was hungry, I'd feed him because I'd be afraid to get him force choked, but uh, Yeah, right. That's true. Um, but the the main reason we we get to that scene is one, so Mando can park the car, and uh, two, he he asks <laughs> Amy Sedaris's character uh, for a little town called uh, Mos Pelgo, and uh, she says, "Well, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time," which is a little bit of a callback to Obi Wan referencing the the Obi Wan name when he's going by Ben Kenobi. Yep. Um, but she also pulls up the map on on R five and. She shows Mos Eisley, Mos Espa, and then she shows where uh, Mos Pelgo is supposed to be, which almost again kind of felt like, well, that's where Alderaan was supposed to be, but it's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's a, apparently this very small town kind of off the beaten path on the other side of the Dune Sea. And uh, that's that's where Mando thinks his, his lead is. So uh, he gets back on the speeder bike that he used in episode five of season one. And uh, he takes off and we get some jaw-droppingly beautiful cinematography of him riding through Tatooine, which is just like, I feel like that's what George wanted to do back in yes. the 70s and yep. couldn't do because the technology wasn't there. Because fuck, man, that stuff looks so good. Yeah, it, it, it was just... It looks great. It was like, it, it's so funny to say, but it just looked breathtaking just to stare at a desert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. And, and Mando... He looks like such yeah. a badass on that speeder bike. Yeah. It's like it's like just the most badass and, biker dude, you know. And you've like, got you got the child like a who's like kind of seems like a, a uh, like a puppy who's sticking their head out of the window on a car ride, just yeah. like loving it, like loving it. having the time of your life, sort of thing. Oh, yeah. and, 
like, we're going to kill people. Yeah. yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dad's going to murder some people. All right. Papa. I'll, and I'll protect him at all costs. <laughs> uh, it's so, good. Um, so we get the, uh, the, the Mando finally arriving and he, he gets to Mos Pelgo and it's a very traditional uh, spaghetti Western style homage oh, yeah. of the, the gunslinger arriving to the small town. He gets the stink eye from, you know, pretty much everyone that he rides a speeder bike by as he's going nice and slow. Uh, and then of course he, he finds his way to the, the local beverage station and mm-hmm. uh, he runs into a weak way. And Kevin, I know you were really excited about this. I fact. was so excited, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and not just because this is another callback, but because weak way was on, the, the sand skiff or whatever you call it, um, Jawa's, uh, I'm sorry, Jabba's skiff in the desert when they're throwing uh, Luke and Han into the, trying to throw them into the Sarlacc pit, Weequay is there standing guard in the same scene where there's a Boba, where Boba Fett is. You know, yep. there's so many different callbacks here and it was just put together just beautifully, I thought. Yeah, it's very, very good. And the, the actor who played him, uh, told a great story on Twitter about how he got the role. Um, and he was like, no, I won't do anything with any prosthetics. And then they were like, it's Disney plus. And he was like, yeah. And, and they were like, it's star Wars. And he was like, <laughs> okay, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I um, my arm. Yeah. You really, you had to do it. Um, but Mando gets there and uh, he, he says, I'm looking for someone who wears Mandalorian armor, someone who looks like me. And the weak way goes, well, that means you're talking about the marshal. And he says, your marshal wears Mandalorian armor. And he goes, well, why don't you ask him? And he points <laughs> and man Chilling. chills up and down my arm when that, oh, yeah. that camera slide happens. And there's, there's the Boba Fett armor and it's just, someone's wearing it. And you're like, holy yeah. shit. They're really, they're is, doing this. This is some skinny little dude not really filling out the armor no. very well. <laughs> but someone's got it. I would say. And, uh, uh, man, oof. they nailed the armor, I thought. Oh, they did. It's, oh, no, it was like, perfect. It's, it's the way that it's weathered. And yeah. aged and, yeah, it looks, it looks fantastic. Super, super cool. So um, the marshal orders a couple, uh, a couple glasses of spotchka, spotchka, which is a callback to episode, episode four, four. Yep. season one. Um, which is, it's the drink that's made on Sorgan, which is pretty cool. Um, and then he just immediately takes the helmet right off. That's which, down. You see uh, that dent on the helmet? You see yep. the dent on the helmet, which is, which is incredible. Um, and then it's Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, shit. And, you know, there were some rumors that he was going to be on the show, but they didn't know really in what capacity. And I thought he was the shining star of the episode. I thought he, he, he was fantastic. So much of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was. was. And he, and you know, there was a little bit of tension at first because he takes the helmet off and, and I'm thinking like, you know, Mando's not going to take his helmet off. Mandalorians don't take their helmet off, but then he just immediately goes, never met a real Mandalorian before. Yeah. And it's it's <laughs> funny because, yeah. Cause when he says it, like, you know, you know, uh, Din Jaren, he just, he's like, he stopped in his tracks, right? Like, he didn't walk over to sit down with him and talk. He just is standing right by the bar and like, I'm going to take that armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, 
and the other thing about um, his character, um, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant's character, he, he seems like the Nick Nolte of this season where like, you know, Quill was in it, you know, in the beginning and then he's like, uh, you know, until we, we, we meet again sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like he, he kind of seems like he, he I, I don't think that's the last we'll no. see of him. No, I, I have a feeling you're right there. Um, for sure. But I do agree. Like he, his, his performance and his character, like he, he killed it. And I thought it was, you know, immediately ironic of him playing a Marshall sheriff, sheriff <laughs> type uh, figure when he's done that. Um, not only in obviously what he's really well known for in Deadwood, but also um, uh, that movie called the crazies. It came oh, out yeah. like a decade ago. <laughs> uh, I do remember seeing it. Um, it was something I think it was like kind of, like zombie-ish related. Interesting. You know, where like the zombie craze is happening like mm-hmm. I think a decade ago. Um, but yeah, he played a sheriff in that as well. Yeah. So he was a he's sheriff got on the, Justified on FX too. The TV that's show. right. Yeah. So, so I mean, he, he he knows how to portray the role rather yeah, well. Which is, which is great. And he did a great job um, here as well. And, yes. uh, and introduces himself right off the bat. Who is he, Corey? So his name is Cobb Vanth, and I. This is probably the thing that I was the most excited about in the entire episode. Uh, most people probably won't care. Uh, I care a lot because I read the books and I'm invested in them. Um, and one of my biggest gripes with the way Disney has handled Star Wars since their acquisition was they had said that everything's all connected and it's all part of the Star Wars galaxy and all this other shit. And then they just never really go with it and they never bring in any of those cool characters from the books uh Cobb Vanth is a character that appears in one chapter of one of Chuck Wendig's aftermath books aftermath, yeah. and it's not even part of the actual story it's a, an interlude so th- those yeah. aftermath books they basically they have one big story that they tell um but they sprinkle these interludes in there that kind of update you on the state of the galaxy post return of the Jedi pre force awakens. And one of the stories that they tell is the story of this guy, Cobb Vanth from a mining town that is called Freetown, uh, which come to know is uh, the nickname of Mos Pelgo. And uh, he got his Mandalorian armor uh, off some Jawas. And I just, I thought it was incredible that they dedicated really, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of an episode on a guy from the books when, you know, we've had five movies that have come out that have completely neglected all of that. Yeah. Um, So I I really, I hope it's a, you know, the start of something like that where it it rewards the people for being more invested in the product and (laughs) spending more money on star Wars stuff. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's super cool. Um, I, I loved it. I love the see some more of those characters, you know? Yeah. Um, they started <laughs> doing it. They started doing it in the animated shows and a little bit in the video games, but this was the first big one in like a live action uh, scenario, yeah. which was yeah. just, it was perfect. And they got an, like an A-list actor to come in and play a oh. character from a book. Yeah. Like, seriously. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I mean, maybe we could see Mara Jade, you know? <laughs> putting it out there Luke's side piece what just, yeah just just putting it out there well I mean if listen if if they included Mary Jade um they'd have a lot of explaining to do <laughs> oh god well yeah don't I, I won't even delve into that that whole like 
why now sort of thing, but just, I, I would, I would still continue to give praise to, um, you know, both Favreau and Filoni, you yeah. know, just because it's like, God, she would have just been such a fucking badass. That would be see, great to see on screen. You know, like, yeah. you, like you want to talk about like, in a, you know, in a, like a female character that was just a complete badass. Talk about girls getting it done. Yeah, yeah. no, she, she, she would have been it, you know? Um, <laughs> I think it's also kind of interesting that uh, Nick and I just Mara married uh, that name, just like we had a Han, Han, Han. Leia, <laughs> yeah, Leia, Leah, kind Leia, of. <laughs> Leia. Luke. Uh, Luke. <laughs> which is a reference to the cloned Luke Skywalker, which we don't talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the expanded universe. Good, good fun. Good fun. You. Which, by the way, we get some more references in this episode that pull from all of those things that have been to a degree decanonized. Yeah, we do. So, uh, Mando and and Cobb Vanth, they have their conversation, but it gets. Uh, gets somewhat interrupted by a, a rumbling outside and this little you know earthquake like thing that kind of makes its way right down the main drag of the town uh but then it decides that it's gonna stick its head out and eat a bantha in one bite <laughs> yeah and uh, turns out that it's a crate dragon lost my shit uh I, <laughs> you, Corey, I was like is that a fucking crate dragon been waiting my entire life to see that shit in the big like, <laughs> the screen in general. And then, just in case, they made sure to have Cobb Vanth say the words "crate dragon." Yeah. Oh, yeah, just so you weren't like, "Oh no, it's just some maybe sand creature, like a sandworm from Dune or something like that." No, right? It, it's a straight up crate dragon, which uh, you know, you see the bones in Episode Four when three PO's uh-huh. walk in the desert. Uh, it's been in. Nice Deal Republic. It's been in oh, Star yeah. Wars Galaxies, like big deep cut type shit. And it, they they got it in there. Filoni's a sneaky son of a bitch when it comes to that kind of stuff. He is. Uh, and, yeah. and after seeing this son of a bitch, it makes you wonder what killed that one that you saw in the desert in episode four. <laughs> right? Like, Jesus Christ, did he just <laughs> die of old age or what? <laughs> it, it, it looked, I mean, obviously like just for scale, like it looked a lot smaller. Uh, I don't know if it was like because of the, maybe like a, a background foreground type thing where like C-3PO was and like where you see the bones, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't too sure uh, how enormous they're supposed to get. Pretty, um, pretty goddamn big. That, well, yeah, <laughs> from, from, from seeing that, yes. You know, it's like, has this one been alive? Again, it's one of those things we just don't really know about, like, has this one been alive for however long? And it's just been, it's like the Megalodon of great dragons. Like the shit's prehistoric and it just, you know, you know, eclipses anything in its path. Yeah. And it it was amazing. It was basically Uh, Mandalorian's love sausage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, so many nerdgasms uh, (laughs) this entire episode. That sounds like some fan fiction, by the way, Corey. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you, you don't you don't kick shame here on the real heroes podcast so you can say whatever you want so um yeah so that's a crazy moment and obviously they, they threw a, a shit ton of money and budget at 
making that crate dragon look as good as they did, um, oh, and it looked great. which we, we get more of towards, towards the end of the episode. So a hell of a lot um, more. So the, uh, the crate dragon is fucking shit up and eating bantas and tearing up the town. And uh, Cobb Vant tells our, our lead Mandalorian Din Djarin that uh, if he helps him kill the crate dragon, he'll, he'll give up the Boba Fett armor and it can go back to its, its rightful owners, the Mandalorian people. Which is, and it's funny how, how Din's just like, deal. I'll go yep. get my shit. <laughs> like, yep. uh, all business. I get it. Yep. Straight, um, straight to business. But then Cobb tells him, like, no, he'll, it'll feel the vibrations of your ship in the air and it'll dive and won't come out. And, like, he, you can tell, you, you can, it's obvious at this point that this is not the first time the Great Dragon has reared its ugly head. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's, yep. he's had to deal with it before. Yep. So uh, Cobb and Din in double Mandalorian armor, which double the Mando, double the fun, I suppose. Um, they, they go for a joyride to uh, the dwelling place of this great dragon. Uh, and Cobb Vance's speeder is... Looks a little familiar, doesn't it? Familiar looking. Very. Uh, <laughs> again, Did you guys I think collectively it's... shit your pants <laughs> again? No. Yeah, yeah, I was like... <laughs> I think I even texted you, Corey, um, when I was watching it during lunch. Cause, and, I, and I know that's, that's Filoni's doing right there. Oh, yeah. He's a prequel guy. He loves that shit. Yeah. So. Hey, remember, remember, ep- I was, is, remember I told you how great episode one was? Yeah, this is Anakin Skywalker's pod racer engine. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was so great. And, and like, it was well done. It was aged, which it should be because it's 40 years later. Yeah. But, but at the same time, it was obvious enough that, you know, I'm sitting there watching it with Sydney and she goes, wait, is that Anakin's pod racer? And I was like, I've, I've never been more proud of you than I <laughs> But yes, I believe it is. Yeah. <laughs> sure is. And it was just great to see because Star Wars in general tends to hit you with the nostalgia from the original trilogy all the time. Yeah. Uh, and this was a very clear and direct prequel reference, which, you know, yeah. is pretty, pretty rad. So um, love seeing that again, we got some more badass shots of them flying through the desert and the caverns and, you know, the mountainous areas and whatnot. Um, and then they, uh, they bump into some of our, our good friends, the Tuscan Raiders. And oh yeah, again, not before though, not before Cobb shares the story of how he came on the armor, which, gives us another little throwback which is the explosion of the second death star which yeah oh man the way the they put that, that in there so good it was yeah. great uh, that what, what great placement again it's just that they're kind of filling in things it's like because you know in the uh in the special edition right you kind of see the other planets on like coruscant mm-hmm. um you, know, you do see uh and naboo. naboo i think even from mos eisley yeah. Um, cloud so, cities in there yeah cloud city so it's like yeah, everyone everyone is celebrating and if their celebration is so short-lived which it's like ah shit that sucks yeah yeah they have just enough time to to you know offer like one toast and yay and then somebody <laughs> comes in and starts killing all of them yeah, <laughs> yeah, i think it was like a mining guild or something that came yep. in and started started shooting them up so yep um so Cobb runs away Again, John Favreau loves his his ice cream maker from Empire Strikes Back, which is what yep. uh, Comptono, I think, is what they they call it in 
in Star Wars canon. Uh, but this one was apparently full of some pretty valuable crystals. And yeah. Cobb Vanth runs away as fast as he can, but the, the effects of the desert tend to get to him, which uh, if you've watched Star Wars Rebels, uh, there is an episode where Darth Maul walks the sands of Tatooine and it really gets to him after a while. And it felt like a little bit of a callback to that. Um, And then was it me guys, or did it feel like the, the Jawas sand cruiser felt like way bigger than it used to in the original movies? Yeah. I mean, even in season one, you know, when, um, when Din was like, crawling all over the side of the sand cruiser and stuff like that it does seem a, a much grander scale but then again i think in it, you know when uh, when we see the sand cruiser for the first time in episode four way back when you only really get either far away shots or just the treads right yeah that's true for probably budget reasons or whatever yeah so i mean you couldn't really couldn't really get a good um, feeling about how big it was but man in that scene it just looks ginormous huge (laughs) yeah it's like well we've got the budget to make it to scale so how how big is this thing dave and (laughs) yeah it's like well john (laughs) well you know it's it's sort of like this and you know it's it's about the a big about this wide you know (laughs) i mean like it's bigger than my cowboy hat (laughs) yeah it, it dwarfed him rather easily so um but I mean, the fact that he's telling the story and you know how it bought him his life, you know, and yeah. and the interesting part is like, you know, it's interesting he knew what it was when he saw it. At least that's how it it appeared to me. Like the the armor. Yes. Yeah, he he very deliberately points at that, and he's like, like I know what that is. I, that's what I, I want. want it because the yeah. Jawas offer him a bunch of other shit that looks really cool and like you would want it but i think he he thinks one i know what that is and two i need something to protect myself from these yeah. people that are taking over my town yeah um and he he gets it and he goes back to town and he busts into that bar uh there's what like four or five of those dudes in there at least and, yeah at least like he, have a, about a, maybe half a dozen or so yeah he caps it real quick <laughs> i was gonna say like he you know he, he seemed like a pretty experienced um you know um cowboy yeah you know i mean like he because he walks in there and he's just kind of holding the blast and like he was picking them off one by one he gets kind of gets shot in the chest and realizes like oh oh you can't you can't, you can't hurt, hurt me, me. <laughs> oh okay like uh, eh, you know i might take a little shot in the arm but i'll live but gotta, gotta love know, that beskar all all the all the real vital points it's like my head my heart my chest i'm good yeah yep. and somehow or another he just instinctively knows how to shoot those fucking missiles <laughs> right it's pack. like wish, and that was, wish <sighs> fulfillment right like Right. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You, okay, so let me ask you guys this because I totally saw it the first time. It was a bit of a flashback. Let's we're gonna go back to two thousand and eight when John Favreau, oh, the Iron Man shit? produced Iron Man. Okay, yeah, and Iron Man <laughs> shoots little wrist rocket into the tank and it blows up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, to the point where Cobb leans over, 
has the little um, antenna go over to his eye, you hear the same exact sort of like tracking thing that you do and from the X-Wings yep. when, they're, when they're locking on the trench and he shoots that missile and it does like a Patrick Mahomes Hail Mary pass <laughs> right, on, right on target and just and blows the shit up. It is up. about 100 yards out, so that's yeah. pretty accurate. And just kind of like leans back up like, yeah, I'm a badass. Like, yeah. I was like, thank you. Thank, thank you, John, so much for this. <laughs> they, they made both Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett more badass in this episode yeah. just by showing what his, his whole setup can do. Oh yeah, yep. for sure. Which was which was God, yeah. fucking rad. Uh, and what what does he say <laughs> when he when he gets the the Comptono with the crystals in it? He's like, even even the suns shine on a womp rat's tail twice or some shit. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, talking yeah. about his good fortune. And I was like, that's such yeah. a cowboy thing to say. It is. <laughs> I loved it. Oh yeah, like th- I mean, this episode had such strong, you know, space western yeah. vibes. It, it was amazing. Even yeah. down to everybody's accents, including Weequay's accent, he still sounded like, you know, some old West dude. Yep. Yep. I'd like to drawl and everything, which is nice. Yeah. So then we run into the Tusken Raiders. We find yeah. our back to that. So um, <laughs> that's something to me that a lot of people felt like episode five of season one was filler or throwaway. And there's a very important plot point there that Mando knows how to speak sign language with the Tusken Raiders mm-hmm. and it puts them in his or him in their good fortune. And then he runs into a bunch of them here and it turns out that by, by him being able to speak with them and communicate, he finds out that uh, they want to kill the Kray dragon too. Yeah. So we get, that gives us the traditional Western trope of the Cowboys and Indians working together to, yeah. to beat yep. the enemy. And it's, it's just fucking perfect. I, that, and we also find uh, out that he's not just proficient in sign language. Right. Dialect. Can, yeah. Can, you know, which is a really, really strange language. <laughs> it's um, just, just very grunts and clicks and, you know, just a, a really guttural sound. Yep. Uh, but he's just speaking it just fine. Yep. Um, so that leads us too. <laughs> so that leads us to uh, you know they decide to team up they do some scouting um, the crate dragon <laughs> he lives in an abandoned sarlacc pit yeah, uh, yeah here's a little so many scratcher, thoughts right? about that right there yeah and they're like there's no such thing as an abandoned sarlacc pit and then Mando goes there is if you eat the sarlacc yeah Hmm. I Which, wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. Hmm. Where could this all be going, gents? <laughs> well, you know, if if they're going to stay true to anything from the EU, um, or try to pull certain pinpoint uh, or like you know uh, pinpoints from it, right? Like from the the Mandalorian uh, or the Bounty Hunter series, which is a you know trilogy of books, yep. uh, and the first trilogy i ever collected from the eu when i was younger um and Bo- boba fett lives because he blows up uh or escapes the sarlacc pit via um uh thermal detonator so and i, I you know fights his way out from its digestive process uh so i, I mean i'm concerned i will not concerned I'm, I'm curious um 
right. sorry, but as to how they'll, how and if they'll show that. Uh, I mean, I I would love to sort of see a little flashback, and and, I, and I'm sure like I wouldn't be surprised if they were to do this, just because again, this is such a canonical point to kind of fill in the gap and right. and and to answer fans' questions as like to you know what really happened. Like we know this happened from the book, but it wasn't canon. Well, now now is it canon? You know, I mean, especially for the show that's called Mandalorian, like you kind of. You kind of have to do it now for you, us. You got to lean into it a little bit, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you've, you've got to deliver this, and you know, both Dave and John know how to deliver. I mean, we've, we've been do. seen it all, 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 all first season. And we've been seen it all episode, and uh, here in chapter nine. And I mean, it's like if it was if it was wounded, and you know, who knows what sort of you know, noise or, or, you know, you know, if the create dragon had any, any sort of sensory that, Oh, it's time to eat and then maybe finish it, finish it off. Well, it's like, and yeah, that might be cool to see as well. Yeah. You know, like and we learn during this episode that the crate dragons stomach acid is pretty powerful. Yeah. That so, shit was so here's, here's my thought, which is a little weird and I don't know if it's going to be the way things go or not, but Boba falls into Sarlacc pit is in Sarlacc pit kind of struggling, you know, having his ass handed to him. Right. Crate dragon eats Sarlacc as Mando kind of coyly mentions, but if you would, if you eat the Sarlacc stomach acid inside of the crate dragon breaks down the Sarlacc freeing Boba because we see later in the episode that the acid from inside of the crate dragon doesn't affect Mando's armor. Right. So is that how Boba escapes? Is he gets an assist from a crate dragon? <laughs> Who knows? It, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a very uh, good possibility, but we're, we're, we're blowing our load too early in the episode. We will we'll get to that. <laughs> so, uh, but um, so the, the sand people, uh, the the Tuscans are they're they're feeding whole banthas yeah. to the Kray Dragon just to keep him happy, trying to not piss him off, right? Um, and we get that killer moment where Kray Dragon comes out of the cave and uh, eats the it's, guy instead of the, instead of the bantha, and uh, they're like, this thing might be intelligent. This, this might not work. The yeah. plan yeah. that we've got cooked up, and uh, and then Mando. Oh, and, and- by the way, the the scene of the entire caravan heading out there, um, just gorgeous. And the music there. And the music. Oh, it had yeah. like a thousand and one Arabian Nights kind of vibe to it. It was yep. it was so great. Where you see like the, the entire uh, line of banthas and sand people, everybody just walking across that one sand dune, and just just the way that that shot was uh, composed and everything. It's just absolutely beautiful. I got some Lawrence of Arabia shit going on in there. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's some eye candy in there, uh, big time. So um, things don't go well. Mando volunteers the village uh, without <laughs> Cobb Vanth knowing until he tells him, which is a running joke in the episode, is that since Mando's talking sign language to the Tuscans, Cobb Vanth doesn't find out what's going on until like a minute or two later <laughs> he's like do you mind telling me what's going on here um, yeah which is which is terrific um but then we go back and you can tell there's some dissension between the tuscans and 
the the townspeople, but they have to kind of set their differences aside and and work together, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, because it's sort of like, and and Mando basically puts it out on the table uh, when they're in the can the cantina. There, like this thing isn't gonna leave you guys alone. It's right. it's he's surprised that this you know this isn't just a barren wasteland already. Uh, when it could be eaten or swallowed whole later today. Right. Um, so it's like strike with the iron's hot, you know, they, they've, they've got the, they've got the, the numbers uh, to, to fight, to fight the, well, to, to hopefully fight the, the great dragon. And, you know, it's um, <laughs> not to jump ahead, but I love a little like scale comparison and cops like the, the rocks. Think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's accurate. And like, they're saying it's accurate. It's like, well, I guess. Like, it's like sprinkles more. Like, I mean, they look like chocolate chips to me. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. Like, I was like, are those like tiny Hershey's kisses or where, what? Where'd you that get was... those reinforcements? Yeah. <laughs> I had to volunteer at your village. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's it's good stuff. But um, uh, their their plan is to do what they always do and sacrifice a bantha um except when they do uh they're going to lay like a trench full of explosives because i guess they said that the only way to to hurt this crate dragon is through its belly yeah. so they're, they're gonna blow some shit up underneath him hope that it kills him and go home right what could go wrong um easy just just like the hobbit <laughs> except things <laughs> yeah things go wrong. So the, the crate dragon gets out, they try to blow it up. It doesn't kill it. Uh, and then they Just have to do pisses some, it off a little bit. Yeah. And they have to do some improvising, which, uh, leads to some of my favorite shit I've seen all year. <laughs> yeah. yep. Uh, one, one of those things being the aspect ratio shifting that Kevin, you mentioned earlier, which, um, you know, it just, that whole action sequence felt humongous because oh, it went God. from filling up most of your television to filling up your entire television all of it um and i wonder and i i'd love to hear you know favreau talk about this or whatever but like chris nolan when he does his his films uh mm. he tries to shoot as much as he can using imax cameras and then whatever they can't get done on imax they switch back to regular 35 millimeter film for I wonder if they switched to IMAX cameras specifically for this action sequence because everything just looked sharper. Colors look more yeah. saturated. Everything looked so, it, it looked like large format, which is, which yeah. is what IMAX is there for. And uh, even if they didn't, I, I just, I loved what they did with that, that action sequence. It, it was gorgeous. The jetpack shit. And I'll let you guys talk about it. Go ahead. <laughs> Corey's getting flustered. But I mean, I'm, 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 I'm getting hard over here. It's not flustered. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you sound like a, a certain certain ginger I know. Uh, well, um, right, I'll stop then. <laughs> you have calves. It's okay. That's true. Um, no, like, I mean, it, it's it was kind of like hilarious that you just see this bantha that has you know, I don't know, a couple dozen bombs on, you know, strapped to it. It's like, oh man, like well, what's, poor well, Bantha's like just up for a freaking chum. Oh yeah. You see um, both of them 
both uh, uh, Mando and Cobb just blast off in their jetpacks at the same time. Chase this thing. That was down. such a cool like thing to see. It was it was amazing, right? And then you see, uh, I mean, Cobb's blasting away with his his regular little blaster. Fine, you're not going to do much to it. Yeah. But we have seen Mando's rifle yep. disintegrate people before. Yep. And it's not doing jack shit to this thing. And nope. he's shooting it like right in the eyeball too. It's just like, how is this not even affecting it at all? Yeah, that armor is thick. And then they <laughs> they end up just you know flying back down to the ground. It's like, okay, now what the fuck else are we gonna do? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which which actually brings up one of my favorite parts of the entire episode. Um, when when Den finally realizes, all right, I'm gonna have to do something really ridiculous here. Um, he's like, so he asks Cobb, do you still have the detonator? And he gives it to him. He says, what are you going to do? Uh, he's like, you know, I, no, he says, go take care of the child or whatever. He's like, what are you? Yeah. Protect the child. Yeah. I don't know yet. I don't know. And yet. Then he, <laughs> he bops him on the back of the jetpack, and he, he flies off all wonky, just like fucking Boba Fett. Just like, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, <laughs> isn't it the same spot where exact same, where, where Han accidentally hit Boba Fett? Yeah, in the jetpack, blind and Han. Yeah, and it's like the same sound <laughs> that it makes, and everything. You see his arms flying <laughs> off. It's like, whoa! Yep. <laughs> it's such a great moment. And I'm like, it, I, I think it dawned on everybody kind of at the same time. Like, he's he's gonna he's gonna let it eat him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's going down with the ship, just like just with the bantha. So yeah, he realized that you have to use an ass bomb. <laughs> yeah I, basically I, I, absolutely we, we got a translucent moment here so I mean, if you can't pierce it from the inside you're gonna have to pierce it from the out i mean from the outside you got to pierce it from the inside yep boy does he there's a, a bantha full of explosives that blows up <laughs> and then as he flies out of his mouth his pulse ri- uh, rifle is doing the whole electric shock yeah, shit electric shock. and then he flies out hits the detonator kills it does the whole superhero landing and it, it, it felt very iron man ish oh it, dude it, it it so did like it was str- so great strong iron man vibes uh and uh i mean that was a you know he's he's pretty high up in the air right and it was a pretty yeah. large blast and you see like this like you know the shock wave and just because it's full screen it did that shock wave just just goes like literally everywhere right but it, yeah. i mean it's just it's just it, it gave my subway for a workout too yeah it was, like, it was loud yeah, i'm man. like oh yeah it was very yeah. cool and then the crate dragon is no more and the mandalorian wins again Cobb van gives him a look like you son of a bitch you did it <laughs> all right i guess i gotta forfeit this armor up and then the sand people go and butcher the goddamn thing. Dude, know? that was hilarious. It like it cut <laughs> it, it, it cut straight to the like the Tuscans. Dinner just, like chipping away at it. Oh my damn, they wasted no which, time. Which honestly is another throwback to that whole Western trope because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, this is like it's the same thing that would have happened with Native Americans if they would have killed a right. buffalo. They used every last every part set, of that thing. Yep. The hide, every the piece skin, of meat, the, everything, you know, the, yeah. Bones, bones. All of it. Yep. A really really interesting parallel yeah and um i mean two things i just uh in before dune so you know went up on star wars before dune yep. uh seeing the seen a giant sand creature um mm-hmm. which just released the damn movie on digital <laughs> don't be fucking stupid 
You see what no. Mandalorian's doing? You see how much money Disney Plus is making? Yeah, okay. Um, now, going back to the to the Great Dragon, the fact that it just disappears, <laughs> right? And they're like, I don't think it's dead. And then it basically crawls, you know, it goes through the mountain. Yeah. And appears, and I'm like, and then it spits more acid, right? And then when it tries to bite, um, you know, uh, Din and uh, Cobb, it goes, you know, back and appears behind them again. You know, I mean, like, it was just awesome to kind of see the create dragon you know, maneuver around yeah. them. And that, and I mean, that sucker's enormous. So it's, it's just like, yeah. uh, you know, it was, you know, obviously a lot smarter than, uh, than anticipated, but, uh, not enough for Iron Man. I mean, uh, Mando <laughs> or Din <Djarin. laughs> Yeah. And it's, I think it's in this same scene where we get to hear the great dragon make the noise. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 The same that. sound that Obi-Wan imitated in episode four, the first time you ever see him in order to scare off the fan people. Right. And now we know why they were so fucking scared of that sound. Yeah. I'd, I'd be scared too. Absolutely. Well, and you know what though? Like uh, I'm going to get a little, little uh, nerdy here. So um, <laughs> like we're not. Our yeah, no, I, I, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to expose a layer of my, of how nerd nerdy I am. So like when I was in, in middle school, you know, there's this, um, you know, Star Wars collectible card game that was pretty in depth, honestly. Um, you know, just, me being in, in like middle school and uh it was like you know that and magic the gathering i guess were like you know these you know popular card games right um there was a card that was in the game that you know showed a picture of of obi-wan in his robe and you couldn't really see who it was um but the the title of the card was called the crate dragon howl that's awesome. And it, you know, and it was like it, it was like one of those like cards that we, you would use it to play against your opponent, and it had some sort of effect against them. Um, and I, I didn't know, like, well, like okay, he made some noise. I didn't know what that noise was in reference to until I, you know, I played the, and collected the card game, and I'm like, oh, create dragon, what's yeah. that? You know, and then like you kind of you hear more along the way, and um and what a great dragon is and it's like oh my god like it's it was just a, such a huge throwback right oh and, yeah um similar for me like uh, you know again me being born the same year that star wars was born and growing up with this there was a big gap between return of the jedi and and when they shot episode one yeah and so the being the star wars nerd that i was i just kind of grabbed up anything that I could, um, some of which were the novelizations of the original movies. And that's where I found out about what that sound was because yep. it always just seemed a little weird and disjointed because you don't actually see Obi-Wan make it. You hear it at mm -hmm. the same time as you kind of see him. And it's like, what, what is that sound really? Yep. Um, so, so for me, it's like reading it in the novelization of A New Hope and then seeing that on the screen. Uh, now it's, it has taken that long yep. for that to come full circle for me and that was like that was a huge moment for me as a yeah. nerd <laughs> who would have thought on a television show on a disney streaming service you'd get your wish fulfillment from 40 something years ago yeah not i what do you think that you know he took a piece of that meat and stuck it on a speeder bike so we, we have to talk about the the gray dragon and its innards 
Yeah, there's another uh, thing I want to mention about that. There's a oh, yeah. there's a pearl that a pearl. one of the Tuscans finds. And yep. Uh, Nick, you played Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, that is a the crate dragon pearl is a pretty strong thing to find in that video game. Yeah, it it's uh, it's a a, um, a piece that you can use with a lightsaber, and it, it enhances the lightsaber. Um, uh, if memory serves me correctly, it enhances the damage. Correct. So, but that pearl was pretty damn big. It's pretty it big. That was a big pearl. Yeah. So, <laughs> like. I I think if if I remember right, can't can a crate dragon pearl also substitute out for a kyber crystal when building a lightsaber? It can. So that to me is very interesting. Because the baby is a force wielder. He might, there might not be any Kyber left. Like we're, we're well after Return of the Jedi at this point. Where are you finding Kyber crystals? So, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because one of the thoughts I had based on the trailer on the snow planet, I don't think it's Hoth. You think it's but Ilum. if it's Ilum. Yeah. So that, which is a place where younglings used to go to find their Kyber crystal when they yep. were trained to become Jedi. So yep. very interesting. Uh, I, you know, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It could just be a nice little nod to the video games. But right, yeah. If if it is something that could be made to build a lightsaber that inflicts more damage than a traditional one, and get used against oh I don't know a dark saber perhaps <laughs> in a fight, that would be pretty fucking cool. Um, Very. So we'll see. One of my buddies also thought uh, the the giant piece of cray dragon meat that Mando loads on the back uh, might have another pearl inside of it like a smaller pearl i wonder if he could he saw inside of it and was like i'm just gonna take this giant chunk i thought that was a cool theory so we'll we'll see yeah you know that's actually not bad but uh you know i'm I'm, I'm curious uh, not really to do with this particular episode maybe not even this season but I, i i'm having thoughts of like what they could potentially do with season three and did both i know nick i know you watched peaky blinders did you watch it Corey? uh i've watched the first four seasons i haven't watched the last one yet you know how between the seasons of peaky blinders it's like years like big time jumps yeah right i'm wondering if they could do something like that between season two and season three they could to to the point that maybe we let baby yoda grow up a little bit Um, in the hands of moff gideon absolutely done yeah yeah no very true it, you know it could i mean same thing i actually i don't know why i went peaky blinders it's the same thing with episode one to episode two right you know you see anakin as a little kid and you see him as a teenager and like it's like it's like a 10 year okay. gap right yeah absolutely yeah. i don't see why not yeah it's possible you never know so um so we we end this battle mando has a whole lot of extra shit on the back of his speeder at first, it was just him and the baby. Now it's him, the baby, a giant piece of crate dragon meat, and Boba Fett's fucking armor from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he as he peels away from the cave, the the aspect ratio bars slowly lower back into place, which yeah. felt very old westerny to do, which was really cool. Uh, and Mando rides off into the the twin sunset of Tatooine, and then we get the holy shit moment of the episode as if we didn't get enough of those already. Uh, and somebody's watching him 
ride away on that speeder with that armor. And that somebody was played by Tamira Morrison. And I'll be damned if it's not Baldo Fett. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. He looks looks badass standing there. He looks like he got fucked up. He he does look like he got fucked up. He He doesn't have eyebrows. He's got scars on his head. The the Sarlacc done did a number on him. He is. Yeah. But he looks like, you know, like a Bedouin or something, just standing there in his robes with the gun strapped to his back and just kind of like he's surveying, you know, this is my territory. And he's just kind of surveying it and watching what's going on. And he sees, he's got to know that's his armor. He's been watching the whole time. Yeah, and 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 Think it's he's like, gonna want it back. Well, it looks like he has like, like he's almost dressed like a like a Tuscan leader. And the weapons are Tuscan weapons. Yeah. So, I, I had a thought of, what if he was one of the Tuscan raiders that was there in the fight, Ooh. or at the camp, like whatever their Tuscan oh, raider man. camp is, and he didn't. He just like decided and, I'm gonna stay back. And Cobb Vanth is just sitting there wearing his armor. Oh man, and spicy! Like, I, 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 like what's going through his head, sort of thing. Like I wonder if a if he's just like, wait, I know the dude where my armor isn't is obviously a, a, a fake, but this other guy, he's he's legit he's, Mandalorian. He's, he's he's like me, so hmm. I'm gonna kind of see this through. Um, but I also wonder, like, for future episodes, you know, uh, which I imagine they'll meet whenever that is, will he put the armor on? Because it's like, you know, once you take it off, you can't put it back on. It's not like maybe he was forced, like, you know, obviously maybe because of what he had to endure with the maybe battle of the Sarlacc, he, is that an exception? I don't know. know, I I don't think, I don't know if Dim would really care per se, but it's like. Bobo was not really a Mandalorian. So, he's just a clone right he's a clone and and as they say mandalorian is not a race it's a creed and he never followed the creed of the mandalorian that, that is true i mean and i guess neither, in Din's eyes did Django. Did. you know Django had his helmet off all the time like he wasn't following that creed either oh so. no for sure so i kind of wonder if what if they had to, what if they what if they fought it could happen I mean, I, my bet would still be on Din because, you know, you like... You, Please. Not fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's in much better shape. He's not as old and he's not, you know, a bunch of stuff. But, like, dude, and, and not to mention the fact that as these episodes have progressed, he's gotten more and more badass. Yeah. yeah. More and more armor, more and more skills, more and more everything, more and more weapons. That's like, one thing I loved about this episode was that the baby didn't have to bail him out using the force for something. Nope. He, right. he took this one and he eliminated the threat all on his own. And the baby was just there to look cute. Yep. That was, yep. that was it, which was very cool. But, but man, I, I gotta tell you though, if you are, are showing us Boba Fett in the first fucking episode, I know, of this season, I know, like, what do we have to look forward to a lot for the rest of this season? <laughs> yeah. Like, holy shit. I just can't wait. Like I, when I think about where this might go, it's just, I get, I get nerd chills, man. It's just, yeah. it's so exciting. 
even if it's chapters right even if it's not seven more episodes of boba fett if it's one more episode of boba fett like holy fuck like that's incredible and (laughs) nick and i were talking about this the major advantage of the disney plus model as compared to streaming is like yeah we had to wait a year in between seasons one and seasons two of the mandalorian however the first episode came out and i was able to watch it four times in the first weekend without having to go back and forth to a movie theater and, you know, do that whole process. Whereas, you know, the, the year or two year long buildup or sometimes for star Wars, three or four year buildup is to go see a two hour movie in a theater. This was an hour long episode and we've got seven more of them. Yep. Next seven weeks, which like yep. to me, that's a, that's a total slam dunk. If they're going to give us this level of quality and, cinema-like experience with the show why ever put star wars on the big screen ever again to a degree you know like i get the communal vibe and the the fun of going to a theater and seeing a star wars movie and the 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 pageantry of it all but like yeah but you know not to be too negative but that might be over it might be over Uh, i I just you know like nick was saying before with you know releasing dune or whatever um Regal has shut down. There aren't many theaters that you could release it to. EMC yeah. is almost bankrupt right now. You know, so I don't know what you're waiting for, but it doesn't seem like their finances are getting better over time. Um, and it's going to yeah. be real tough industry to get back. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's going to be dead because I, I, I do feel like there are going to be certain event films that are going to happen. And you know, it's still a nice date night and shit like that. But like it, I don't personally feel like that industry is ever going to be what it was before. I mean, hell, as we know, TV has been kind of overtaking cinema for a while now. Yep. And it, it's, yeah. other than a few bright spots like the MCU and Chris Nolan and stuff like that, um, it hasn't been the same for five six years probably. It's been yeah. kind of dwindling. So Some of the better movies that I've seen uh over the last three or four years uh i think after this this whole COVID thing is done they will never play in a theater again they'll be the type of movie that gets bought by amazon or bought by netflix or bought by apple tv and you'll watch it from home and they'll still be great but they're just like like a movie like uh like uncut gems that came out with with adam sandler last year small budget it made a good amount of money because Sandler's a big draw, but like right. that's the kind of thing that a studio doesn't want to put a ton of money behind because they don't know right now what the return is going to be in a post-COVID world. Sure. Yeah, MCU stuff is going to do big in theaters again someday. Star Wars is going to do big, you know, DC, whatever, Chris Nolan movies. But I think a lot of that smaller stuff is going to get relegated to to home viewing, which is well, fine. it's already happening, right? The new Sofia Coppola movie is straight to streaming. Yep. Um, yep. The the um, the Trial of Chicago Seven. Um, we watched Rebecca the other night. How was that? Was it good? I thought it was excellent. I mean, cool. if, you, okay. if you're familiar with the story at all, I thought it was it was really um, true. Because that's a remake of the the Hitchcock film, right? Yeah, and it's it's also a really fantastic novel. Okay. Um, and it's just like, it's. It, I read that that novel a long time ago, and it just—it's exactly how I pictured it. So it's really, it's really okay, really faithful representation. But the fact is, you know, you've got a, a, a an actress like Lily James who has been in some really big movies. Yeah, Army Hammer too. 
Army Hammer too. Exactly. No, no and again, it's you know, it's straight to streaming. Yep. Uh, I mean, produced by Netflix, I believe. But I mean, those are the types of things that are coming out um, without ever having to touch a theater, and it's fine. Everything that has yeah. Oscar buzz this year is coming from a streaming platform. Oh yeah. That's they crazy. they might have like a limited theatrical release alongside, but like uh, there's a movie called Mank that's coming out that David Fincher directed, uh, which is about the making of Citizen Kane. Uh, hmm. It's got Gary Oldman in it. Huge Oscar buzz around that. Unrecognizable. Uh, uh, Ma Rainey's <laughs> Black Bottom, which is a, a jazz film. It's Chadwick Boseman's last performance before he died. Oh, they're, they're talking about posthumous Oscar for him. Yeah. Uh, One Night in Miami, uh, which is directed by Regina King, who is the star of Watchmen on HBO. Right. Um, it's a fictionalized story about Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and all these other important, you know, black folks from that time period needing getting huge Oscar buzz. It's on Amazon. Like these are all Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV, uh, the Russo brothers movie with Tom Holland, Cherry is, is getting Oscar buzz. Like it, oh, yeah, none of right. them, none of them are playing in the theater. It, it's, no. it's completely. I, I'm sure devil all the time is going to get some Oscar buzz. I am sure that, um, and I haven't even watched this yet, but I've watched the trailer like three times. I haven't been in the right headspace to watch it. But um, if Sasha Baron Cohen does not, there, there's a strong possibility that he could get an Oscar nomination for a film that came out in the same year as Borat 2. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, those two films could not be more opposite yeah. well that's another one though right. that's getting a ton of oscar buzz is, is, is it's an aaron sorkin movie right anything yeah, he sure. writes is oscar bait but uh but apparently you could just, just see on the trailer that that sasha is going to deliver just an amazing yeah. performance and talking about borat too they're even saying that the girl who plays his daughter might get some oscar buzz because like of just how fucking horrifying the shit she has to do in that movie is hmm. like it it's crazy. We're living in a different world right now. And yeah. Yeah. look at look at Star Wars to to bring it all back. <laughs> like they've been doing this for a year plus now with embracing the TV model, and they don't have a new movie coming out for three years. Which so is fine, honestly. I mean, that, that like, brand is going to live off TV. Like, well, a, it needs a break. You know, I think they need to give the movies a break a little bit. Hundred um, percent. You know, it's like it uh, let it all die down. Um, you know, again, like we talked about before, uh, we know Taika uh, has a movie to make. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of curious. Put away their torches and pitchforks first before you release another Star Wars film. Right. Well, well, that's that's my point, though, right? And and I mean, I I think because you know, and I hope we see some change uh, within the the direction of movies. Um, and and how they're done and again i think it's like it's a safe bet to go with taika you know he uh he's done a lot of great movies uh he's already proven his value within star wars uh with the mandalorian um very safe bet I, yeah I, I think it's i think if anything it, it definitely and especially to me uh it, it instills this like this hope and faith um what you call it a new hope well uh, uh, well not only that but i'll it's almost like 
Yeah, you could even say like, yeah, you go, even go to Rogue One. Like, rebellions are are built on <laughs> on hope. On hope. So yeah. it's like, you know, uh, I, I think Favreau is a bit of a, uh, you know, he comes he kind of comes off as a uh, that like a rebellion leader. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, he's certainly you know teamed up with the right people to 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 give us some of the best Star Wars content we'll ever see in our lifetime and uh you know i don't know if taiga's gonna have just this one movie or if he'll be involved in a trilogy like there's so much the unknown but it's at the same time it's like i'm okay not knowing anything else right now and just let 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 the focus be mandalorian and and then obi-wan when we get that cassian andor yeah like like that right there again tv the streaming that's gonna be the strength that's gonna be the traps the shoulders, the the upper back, the chest, <laughs> the upper body. Like this is the one time in the reference where again the the weakest part is the movies, aka the calves. But you need to strengthen the calves and your legs to look like the golden aesthetic beast, aka Arnold Schwarzenegger, that Star Wars is. In my in my analogy here, I don't you know? really know what just happened, but I. Like- <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, I have dumbbells in my hands, and I'm doing <laughs> bicep curls. Like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but I did over 100. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, you know, the other interesting thing and exciting thing about uh, this platform, I think, is that you can give somebody like John Favreau the ability to go, okay, cool, I'm going to recruit just some badass directors. Yeah. And they have at it. Yeah. And, and if, if it goes well, um, they can say, hey, you remember how so-and-so, you remember how uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directed that one episode and it was fantastic? Well, I want to let her um, do a spinoff. Yep. You know, let's do, a, let's do a, a short series, uh, you know, about Cobb Vanth or um, let's, let's focus on, you know, this aspect or this aspect. And, and Disney, if there's one thing they're really good at, it's keeping secrets. And they <laughs> could drop that shit on us at any time without us knowing about it. Yeah, you know, with with no buildup whatsoever, or even like, hey, hey guys, guess what? Next month we're gonna give you some cool shit, right? Um, that you didn't even know about, you know. Yep. Um, and you can't do that with film, but you can do that with Disney Plus, right? And to go back to your director point, Kevin, Disney Plus is for Star Wars, because I mean, but let's be very blunt and brutally honest. Take all emotion that you have for any of the Disney movies under the Lucasfilm brand out of the equation there have been massive production issues with every single disney star wars movie that has come out yep oh yeah force awakens got completely rewritten partway through pre-production yep rogue one they shot the entire final third act of the film long after it was done filming with a different director than the guy who actually shot the rest of the movie mm-hmm. you know last jedi comes out Production goes relatively smoothly, but it ends up being a very divisive film amongst the fan base. Solo, we know what happened there. I mean, they reshot <laughs> 70% of the fucking film. And then Rise of Skywalker, they tried to make it seem like it went smoothly, but I feel like there's zero chance that the production of that film went the way it was supposed to. They yeah. were under the gun and rushed from day one. They did reshot reshoots all the way until like two weeks before the movie came out. Yeah, there's There have been hiccups with every single film that has come out what you can do with disney plus is hey let's give someone 
you know, like say it's a Bryce Dallas Howard or a Deborah Chow or a Rick Famuyiwa, let's let them do one episode of Mandalorian or one episode of Cassian Andor or whatever, right? And if it turns out that they kill it and they're easy to work with and there's no production snags, then you can say, okay, cool. Maybe you get an entire series. Like they gave Deborah Chow the Obi-Wan show and now she gets six hours to tell a story. Or you can yeah. say, hey, Rick, you did an incredible job. Uh, let's give you a movie and see what happens because right. they're already part of the family at that point. It's not something like uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller that got hired to do Solo completely out of the blue and then their style just didn't match with what everyone else was doing. You know, right. Phil Lord and Chris Miller are directors that they thrive off improvisation. If you've seen any of their movies, like the Jump Street movies or Into the Spider-Verse, like they're very, yeah. you know, fast paced, tchotchke dialogue. A lot of it sounds like it's probably off script. They were trying to do that with Han Solo and Larry Kasdan was having a fucking heart attack on set. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, that doesn't work. Um, so by giving these people a 45 minute episode on a platform that doesn't rely on box office, they can find all of their rock star people to build this brand off of for the next 10 years. And it's, oh, yeah. it's incredible. I think that's something great. else there too. And I'll, that's the last thing I'll say, cause I know we're running a little long, but ah, who gives a <laughs> shit? Nobody listens anyway. But um, <laughs> let's hope that's not true. Um, <laughs> Double true. You, you don't have to give everybody a series. <laughs> you know, it could just be like, hey, this deserves a, just a, a movie, right? Yep. Just one movie. Yeah. Um, maybe an hour and 40 minutes, hour and 50 minutes, something like that. Well, hell, we just had one episode that was 55 minutes. Yep. And with the technology that they've developed now, it's it should be pretty easy for them to, to slap together an hour and 50 minute movie that goes straight to Disney Plus. I mean, they could yep. do that in a weekend, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and and they yeah. can do that with properties that are in the Star Wars universe that might not be box office draws. Like yeah. if you wanted to do a sequel to Solo or a sequel series to Solo, you wouldn't have to worry about box office. You can continue the stories of Han and Kira and Chewie and Darth Maul and all that without the pressure of having to make a billion dollars at the box office to do it. Like right. how fun would that be to see to see Darth Maul on the Screen. Solo should have been a TV series the whole time. Let's let's be real. Yeah, I would. I'm. I'd watch every episode of a solo show. But dude, what if they just did a Crimson Dawn show? Sold. Do a crime drama. Wonderful. Done. That'd be fucking great. Take my money. It's already there. They've already taken it. But make it make it a short <laughs> series like Obi Wan. That's fine. Yeah. Do six episodes mm -hmm. of of fucking Darth Maul. Dude. Or six episodes of young Luke Skywalker searching the galaxy for Jedi artifacts after Return of the Jedi. Like, there's a lot of rich stuff yeah, that they can dive been, into. Man. Been saying it like they, you know, I think I said it a couple of years ago when, like, when Mandalorian was, you know, first starting out, um, back at the old office. Um, <laughs> you know, it, like Sebastian Stan, you know. He he can he can pull off the young Luke Skywalker look, or of course we also said now like you know, de aging capabilities, like they could throw Mark Hamill in there. I just I don't know if he's just sort of like kind of done playing it, and I think he might be okay with passing the torch to Sebastian Stan because I I for the looks of it, it seems like you know they they know each other or they're they're friends to a degree. Um, 
you know, again, hey, guess what? If John Favreau's involved, he already knows Sebastian Stan from Marvel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> work together. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I know he's a friend from work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, or it's like, oh, what if, what if Feige comes in and is like, yeah, I'm going to do this little snippet with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. What if Feige's project isn't a movie, but a miniseries? Series, yeah. Like, you know, anything's perfect. possible. Yeah. So, I think you the know. future is bright for Star Wars as a brand. Uh, Very. I, I even, you know, I'm a fan of the movies that came out. I like them. They're not, you know, necessarily my favorite Star Wars things that have ever come out, but I don't think that they're, you know, the dumpster fire that, that some people think that they are. But I'm still saying that I think that moving forward, it's only going to get considerably better. Yeah, it has to. It has to, um, the, you know. Because they're at the point now, too, where they're done with the Skywalker saga. They have so many new th- new stories they can tell. Oh, yeah. Like they, they're that burden has been lifted. Of Disney owns Star Wars now, they're obligated to tell the, the final chapter of the Skywalkers. Cool, let's go do some weird shit, the Old Republic or Sith Army stuff or whatever. Oh, like, would, I would be I, I'd, I'd about, lose my shit if that happens. How about the story <laughs> of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Do a Darth Plagueis miniseries? <sighs> Fuck it, I don't care. Like I'd love, I'd love to see it. Like, give me a young Palpatine killing him. That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, like, like we were Corley. Remember, you're you not talking about the books from the Republic. Yeah. yeah. Are they going to make a, a movie around so, that time period? So they have said time and time again that this new book multimedia thing is not going to cross in movies and TV shows, but I don't believe them for a fucking second. Yeah, I think I, if, that, I, if that High Republic stuff with Yoda and these new characters and the, the highest point in the Jedi Order is successful that's going to be a TV show. It's going to be a movie. It's yeah. only a matter of time until they do it. So we'll see. I agreed. But how about, how about a really dark and wickedly uh, illustrated animated story of Darth Plagueis the wise. Sure. That, that looked kind of like um, remember in Harry Potter when they were talking about the, uh, the deathly hallows. Yeah. yeah. Hey dude, they can do any of it. They're, they're clearly very good at animation. You're welcome. <laughs> Favreau take that and run with it. Homie. Yeah, so uh, good stuff, Jets. I, we're excited. Yeah. It's only a day and a half until the next episode comes out for recording this, which is amazing. It's like Christmas every Friday, which is just unbelievable. So um, I think that's a good place to stop. So let's let's wrap it up for this episode. Um, I know we went very long, but thank you all for bearing with us. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, diving into that that first episode of the second season and all of our rip and speculation as to where the Star Wars brand could go after that. So um, if you like what we're doing, please uh, subscribe to us. Uh, give us a rating or review on either Spotify or iTunes or YouTube or wherever you uh, decide to listen. If you want to find us on social media, uh, we're on Instagram, Real Heroes Podcast. We're on Twitter, Real Heroes Pod. Uh, and as always, if you have any feedback, any questions you have for us, uh, shoot us over an email, realheroespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time, we have spoken. Mm-hmm.